This is Small Talk with 101 ESPN's Michelle Smallman. Hey, what's up? Welcome into episode 119 of Small Talk. We've got Steve Sabruti and Michelle Smallman here. And holy shit is in order for not <laughs> one, but two things. So about 20 minutes before we tape this episode, I just watched the final episode of The Undoing. The miniseries, I don't know what you want to call it, the action-packed suspense drama on HBO. So really tipped me off to it, and I just finished it, and wow, the ending was incredible. We're going to talk about that later in the podcast, so spoiler alert, later in the pod, if you haven't seen The Undoing, pause this part of the podcast, come back to it after you've seen it. But also, right before we started this, Saruti <laughs> dropped on me that he was a boxer in college. That's right. Not a boxer or an unboxer like in a YouTube influencer, but like a physical fighter. Steve, please explain. That's a little bit flattering. I took a boxing class. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't a boxer. I mean, technically I did box. Hey, you got a credit for it. You're a boxer, no? It, it was a one credit class. Did you have to do this at Illinois? At Quinnipiac, we had to take one gym class for, and it was one credit. And No, I never did. <laughs> you never had to do that? I don't know. Maybe that was the private school thing. I have no idea. And that was just them sucking more money out of you because you didn't, I, didn't I didn't need to take it. It was just awesome. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I took a one night a week boxing class my senior year. And it was so fun. It was, by the way, boxing is the best workout you could possibly oh, do. There's nothing so harder hard. than boxing. I mean, like running a Ironman or whatever is probably harder. But if you're a regular person and you want to get in good shape, boxing is insane. The punching, if you just hit a bag for 30 seconds, you're winded. It's like you winded. ran a mile. So I could not, I mean, boxing is amazing. It's awesome. But yeah, uh, senior year, what would that be? 21, 20 year old Steve, 21 year old Steve was uh, big into boxing. And our final was actually to fight, go three rounds with one of the amateur fighters at a boxing gym in New Haven. And I did it. It was, uh, it was I didn't win, but, but I did it. If you got TKO'd, did you fail the class? No, I think it was just, <laughs> you have to last the three rounds. I mean, the guy, listen, the guy could have kicked my ass. He would have, he would have literally knocked me out in 30 seconds if he wanted right. to. But he was kind of, you know, he was pulling some punches, but he would hit me a few times and we were wearing full headgear, you know, obviously regular gloves. It was impossible to actually get hurt other than if you got hit in the nose and you broke your nose, but it didn't happen to me, but it did happen to somebody in the class. Not break their nose, but bloody nose. Um, but it was one of the most fun classes I've ever done. And I've always wanted to do more boxing, but it's, I don't, what am I going to do? Join a boxing gym? Like they're going to show who's this scrawny kid who actually can't fight. And uh, I'd be too in my own head to do it, but super, super fun. And I can't believe you didn't have to take any gym class. There was a bunch of different options. There was gym. Uh, I'm sorry. There was boxing. There was a rowing class uh, for, you know, doing people in the water, which I didn't really want to do that at all. Cause that seems really hard, but there were a bunch of different gym classes that we could take. And I chose boxing. Yeah, you wanted to get your Hillary Swank on, your million-dollar baby. Yep, Remember movie. how ripped she got, a million-dollar baby? Yeah, I think Hillary Swank's, like, sneaky hot. True story. She is. <laughs> I don't even think it's <laughs> sneaky. She's a babe. Yeah, but I don't think Hillary Swank, if you're like, hey, who's super hot? Who's a super hot actress? Hillary Swank would not be the first person. She probably wouldn't be in the top 10 of people that someone would name. But I was like, you know what? Hillary Swank, looking good. What's up? No, she had her moment. I feel like she went on quite the run there, the, the million-dollar baby stretch. She was on all the award shows. She was looking super ripped in all of her dresses. Hillary Swank could beat me up, too, in that for sure, oh, in that movie, in real life. No doubt that, She could kill me. She could kill me. But didn't she, I mean, spoiler alert, pull the plug on somebody? Yeah. Oh, I don't remember the movie. I just remember, I mean, spoiler alert, it's been, what, 10 years she died, right? Either she died or she killed someone. No, I remember like, she... I just know that a plug was pulled, right? I thought, maybe I'm, who, maybe I'm getting my boxing movies mixed up, but didn't she, didn't Research. somebody, like, didn't somebody slip, like, there was, like, a chair and she fell and she broke her neck in the ring? Yeah, that... she's paralyzed, right? And somebody yeah. pulled the plug on her. Yeah, I don't really remember anything else about the movie other than that. 
But yeah, shout out to Clint Eastwood. What's up? What year did that come out? I don't even remember. She falls, breaking her neck. Also, what a ridiculous accident. That's insane. How would yeah. you... So why would there be, a, the, the chair just happens to be at the place and her neck happens to hit right at the edge of the chair and break your neck? <laughs> In hindsight, that seems like a bit of a stretch for even a movie. But you know what? Give her the Oscar. <laughs> she did it. Look at that body. <laughs> Give her the Oscar. <laughs> yeah. um, no, but I have taken boxing classes. There are several exercise gyms here that are based around boxing that I've taken classes. And I mean, I don't get hit clearly it's just a lot of bag work steve nice. but man it's hard it's hard just speed, just speed hands what's up <laughs> can you imagine if i was like hey let me get some speed hands in no it's like um you know you're kind of moving around the bag a little jab jab maybe an uppercut in there yeah you um, the combos the best thing is to yeah. the guy that's wearing the pad hands right and he just slaps your hand to make it sound like you're actually punching harder than you really are that yeah. guy is like he's he gives you a good ego boost because like, i'm not hitting that hard but he's slapping my hands harder than i'm punching them and this won't shock you at all, but as I'm boxing and that guy would kind of hit your gloves, I'd be like, ah! Yeah, hey, can, <laughs> you, go, can you go a little lighter? <laughs> yeah, can you, not, can you not hit me quite as hard? It's like, sir, you're hitting like, me. Sir, please, this is too aggressive. He's like, ma'am, you paid for a boxing class. You paid for this. But those people who think you could just get in there and throw a couple punches and you'd be good at boxing, you are incredibly wrong. It's so hard. Yeah, I don't think I could ever box, actually box, like a physical fight. I could never do that. And mad respect, mad respect to someone that gets punched in the face for sport. That they're like, you know what? You punched me. It may have busted my nose. I may have broken my jaw or lost a tooth. My eyes swollen shut. They're rubbing the ice on there or whatever, but I will continue to get back in the ring. Because I can tell you what, Steve, if I got hit in the face once, we're done. Well, that's like the Nurmagomedov guy. Ever heard of him? He's the yeah. MMA fighter. He's a no. Russian dude. The first thing you need to know about Russian people, and really just Eastern Europeans in general, is those are like the last people you fuck with. You don't fuck with Eastern Europeans. Those guys, mm -mm. like this guy literally grew up as a kid. There's a video of him. There's like YouTube videos of him as a child fighting a bear. Fighting a bear? I think it was like a cub, but it's yeah. still a bear, and he was still a child. And then he, he grew up and became this probably, I think he's the best fighter in the world. I think he's the best... MMA fighter in the world. His name is Namagomedov, I think, or something. I'm not a big UFC guy, but I'm he literally, he fought a bear when he was a kid. Respect. Eastern European. Well, really, isn't, isn't the deal you just punch a bear on the nose and he runs away, or is that a shark? That's a shark. Yeah, when, if, you're ever, <laughs> if you're ever being attacked by a shark. Oh, no, wait, no. It might be both. Like noise, right? No, there's, there's really, two like, things. There's two, there's two things that you do with a shark, right? It's either, if it's biting you, you're supposed to poke it in the eye or punch it in, in the nose. But here's the thing, if you're being bit by a shark, chances are you're not like, hey, let me locate this fucking shark's eyeball and poke the, you're gonna be flailing just looking for help anywhere. Who has, who in the right state of mind is gonna be like, I'm being eaten by a shark, but I'm gonna punch him in the nose. That's what I'm gonna do. Or I'm gonna stab him in the eye. That's impossible. Yeah, you know what? If I'm getting bit by a shark, I'm like, it was a good run. Yeah, we had a good me. run. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm going to be like Jack in uh, Titanic as I just float below the surface of the sea. That's yeah, me. but you know what? Still bothers me to this day. There was enough room on that door for both of them. Rose was incredibly selfish in that situation. That's nearly here nor there. But you know what, Steve? If he would have tried to jump on the door, it would have shifted. I mean, you've tried to get on a jet ski or something in the water. How many times has it tipped? Imagine trying to get on a canoe when you're in the water. That's really hard to do without knocking someone else off. 
and he was more concerned about her. He didn't want her to have to get in the water. She would have frozen to death. No, there's a plot hole. That, that door was like six by eight. They would have been fine, okay? That door was massive. And she was hanging off the edge kind of too, and all to the side of her, he could have just evened it out and they would have been totally fine. I, I, right, that, but he was worried that it would sink, that it would not withstand mm, both no. of them. Titanic, by the way, too, most overrated movie of all time. It's awful. Pretty good. It's a terrible it's movie. pretty good. Draw me like one of your French girls. Come on, what a line. I saw that with my mom and my sisters in the theaters too. And that was, that got a little awkward. It wasn't quite basic instinct level, but it was pretty bad. You saw basic instinct? No, no. Oh there's like, God. there's this famous Scrubs line where JD, I think I referenced Scrubs last week too, but Scrubs you line did, where he, uh, he jokes about watching basic instinct with his grandmother and not knowing what the movie was about. But Titanic is not quite basic instinct, but it was kind of awkward watching it with my mom. Although I don't even know how old I would have been. Probably like nine. A youthful Steve, though. A youthful <laughs> yeah. Steve. <laughs> yeah, good times. Highly you recommend. Know, you know what, Steve? It's art. It was art. Mm, not quite. Draw me like one of your French girls. <laughs> okay, so we have a couple things on deck for the show today. As we mentioned, we are going to break down the undoing because I'm still reeling. Awesome. What else are we going to do, Steve? Oh, Steve wants to talk about two of his favorite things, monoliths and Jay Cutler. We're going to get to that. <laughs> but before we do that, it's everyone's favorite time of the year. Yes, it's Christmas time, but more importantly, it's the time where Spotify really just calls you out as a person and they identify how you listen to music in the year 2020 or whatever year it is. But this year, I got the notification this morning. I saw a bunch of people sharing it on social media and I was like, oh, you know, I did find some new artists that I like this year. What will my top songs be? Who's my top artist going to be? And as I went through it, I was like, God, Michelle, you are so predictable. Me too. So I want to hear, hear what yours was and we can go through this and see what we both had. Let's click through the story here. Oh, here, that's mine. Start playing a Coldplay song. What's up? Let me shut the music off. Um, okay, 2020 rap, Spotify. I discovered 184 new artists this year. I discovered 396 new artists this year. That checks out. You're a little more adventurous than I am as far as music. I am. I, have you listened to Mac Miller yet? Yes. Yes, actually. Okay. I did like him. I did Thumbs like him. Up. But it's, okay. it's not one of those things that I would put on. I don't know. I feel like I missed the Mac Miller train, but it was good for sure. Are you saying you missed the train because he's deceased? Well, no, it wasn't a dead joke. It was a, <laughs> it was a, like, a, Mac Miller was popular like 10 years ago, right? I don't know. No, the, the, music that you, the music that you told me to listen to was not new. Right? None of it was new. Steve, he's dead. No. Well, I know he's dead, but not new within like the last couple. When did he die? Like two years ago? Year yeah, ago? he's not making tunes from the grave. It's a good beyond. point. That's a good point. Anyway, I don't know. But no, I did listen to Mac Miller. Like him, probably won't, uh, probably won't listen to him much anymore. But he was good. It's you. Okay. Okay. So 396 new artists for your girl. So I get the, the W there. You take the L. I was right. it. Then we got genre lust, right? What a phrase. Genre it's a, it, it is actually a great made up word. I can't imagine it's a real word. This okay. says, I listened to 203 genres this year, including 70 new ones. Okay. I listened to eight, or excuse me, 318 genres this year, including 147 new ones. By the way, I didn't even know that there was 318 genres of music. I thought we were working with maybe 15 max. You got your country, you've got your hip hop, you've got your classical tunes you've got jazz classic rock i mean come on i didn't really think there was that many genres of music wait i have to bring this up because my friends and i in the group chat were sending each other what we got and yeah okay so my friend jeremy he got rock rap punk pop and then his last two this is the genres they're literally made up genres number four for him was mellow gold couldn't tell you what that is and number five <laughs> was minneapolis sound what wait, is that say, wait hold on say that word again did I say Minneapolis? Minneapolis sound. I threw an extra N in there. Wait, Minneapolis. Minneapolis sound. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's a ridiculous <laughs> genre. Like, what is, what is Minneapolis sound? Lizzo. 
She's from Minneapolis. Minneapolis. I can't say the word now. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, she got uh, her boo on the Minnesota Vikings. Okay. See, when I think of Prince, Minneapolis, oh, was he listening Prince, to Prince? That's maybe it was probably Prince. Yeah, because he's kind of an '80s guy. He's, he's got a weird, he's got a weird genre of music that he listens to. I think his number one song was "Dude Looks Like a Lady" by Aerosmith. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a joke. That's a true story. That's <laughs> that is the best thing I've heard all day. I couldn't believe. I said, "What?" I asked him. I was like, "In what context do you listen to Aerosmith? Dude Looks Like a Lady." The only time I've ever heard that song. Is Mrs. Is, Doubtfire? Is Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was like, when else would I, I was like, in what context do you listen to that music? He goes, I don't know, it's on my 70s and 80s playlist. I'm like, okay, that's weird. But anyway, so shout out to my friend Jeremy. Can you imagine Jeremy after a long day? He's like, you know what's going to turn this day around? Dude looks like <laughs> Well, his response to me was, it's a great song. I'm like, is it a great song? I don't, I don't anyway, no words. But yes, slaps. Minneapolis sound. So maybe that's part of the genre, who knows? Okay, mine were pop, rap, rock, indie soul, and dance pop. <laughs> My, hold on, mine's floating again here. Mine were top genres. Number one, modern rock. Number two, pop. Number three, rap. Number four, rock. And number five, contemporary country. Oh, yeah, I could see that. You're Sturgill, Stapleton. Stapleton, Marin Morris. Oh, yeah, oh, all that yeah. stuff. All that oh, stuff. Yeah. Okay, um, here's where we start to get personal, Steve. Now we're going to really get into who we are as people. <laughs> what was your top song of the year? <sighs> okay, guess. I want you to guess because it's so obvious. It's not obvious. Not the song. You don't even know this song, but the artist is so obvious. Mumford and Sons. Nope. Was it uh, Third Eye Blind? It was Third Eye Blind. Oh my god! <laughs> it was Waze. Predictable. It was Waze by Third Eye Blind. In my defense, they had a new album that came out. It's not like I was listening to songs from the '90s. They had a new, and their album's awesome, by the way. It's called Screamer. I don't think they have a bad album, but this is one of their better albums in a long time. If you haven't listened to it, highly recommend it. But the thing that's great about Third Eye Blind, Michelle, is Nothing. they don't settle down, Incubus, <laughs> the Incubus fan over here, acting like you're better than me somehow. Yeah. The thing that's great about Third Eye Blind is they know, I guess it's not even they, it's he, Stephen Jenkins, who's the main guy. He knows who he is and they don't change. They make the same songs. They make the same songs they made in 1998 that they make in 2020. That's why I like them. Sick. They know it's successful. I don't know what to tell you. What was your number one song? Was it Frank Ocean? Some random Frank Ocean song? Exactly. We know it's just, okay, there you go. Perfect. Do you want to guess what Frank Ocean's? Well, you probably don't know I don't, Frank's I don't know. that well. No. This year was Provider by Frank. Great song. Sure. I don't think I've ever heard it, but I know you love Frank Ocean. Oh my God. Steve, it's been an emotional year. I'm always heavy in the rotation with Frank, but this year was all about the feels, okay? We needed to sing at the top of our lungs. We needed to feel it in our souls, and Frank was there for us. Is Taylor Swift in your top five? Is there a Taylor Swift song in your top five? Okay, let's see. Let's get to the top five, because that's a great question. Because it did okay. seem like almost everybody on Twitter that was doing it had a Taylor Swift song in their top five. I did not, actually. And you know what's funny is if you go to the 2020 playlist, the entire one that they provide you, I think they go in order by your top five songs are the first five songs in the playlist. My number six song in that playlist was a Taylor Swift song. It was wow. the one. It was the one, which I think is the best song on that album, other than Peace. Okay. So what were your top five songs? All right. So obviously I said number one is Ways by Third Eye Blind. Awesome song. Number two, Cold War, Cautious Clay. It, Great song. Absolutely. We talked about Joshua Tree on the pod. Uh, Cold War is actually my favorite song that he sings, though. It's a beautiful song. Number three. This is so random, but I love this song and I forgot how much I listened to it. Life is Good, Future and Drake, banger. So good. Banger, banger. So good. 
That's on my workout playlist. So oh, good. love that. We're song. doing the drop squats to future. <laughs> yep. Uh, number four, Orphans by Coldplay. Really great song. Yeah. And this is my only song on here that's not new. Nice for what Drake was number five. Whoa. Look at Drake coming in Holly number five. But that's you a know, good song. You know why? It's because it's my go-to party band. When I want when I'm in the car and I want to feel good or you know, you want you feel like you're in a party vibe, that is probably my number one song that I put on. Is, is nice for what? It's awesome. You can't not be in a great mood listening to that song. No, it's a great song, especially when they do the Lauren Hill rejoin, yep. you know, in the beginning, mm -hmm. like, yes, listen, mine was not as eclectic, but like I said, we relied heavily on Frank this year, fully <laughs> on Frank this year. So number one, provider Frank Ocean, number two, self-control Frank Ocean. <laughs> out of five, is it three out of five, four out of five? It's three out of the top. Oh, man, Frank. That's bad. <laughs> Siegfried, Frank Ocean. Sure. Number four is a song called You by Morgan Saint. Okay. And five is To the Moon, which is a great song by Fora. But I have to be transparent with you, Steve, because that's what we do here. The only reason that you and To the Moon are four and five is because on the like emo 2020 playlist I made, they were right after the Frank Ocean song. <laughs> oh, wow. So there's, this is like a algorithm coming into play here. Yeah. Uh, I bookended it with three Frank on the top, three Frank on the bottom. And so those uh, two got a lot of play because, you know, you start the playlist, sometimes you don't always finish it. Oh, see, that's kind of, I was hoping it would be more, yeah, eclectic, a little bit more random. I've got more in here. Should I pull up the whole playlist? Yeah, actually. Okay, I don't know how I do that. Well, how wait, do let's, let's do that at the end here. Okay, because I don't stuff. know how to do that. I got to figure that out. Let's continue okay. going through here. Okay, so this- Okay, so what's next? Oh, then you got the You're a Pioneer one. Oh, okay. I want to hear about this from you. I listened to Deep Sea Diver before it hit 50,000 streams. Next up, Finding a New Millennial Pink. Sure. Sure. I got the same thing except a different song, obviously. Mine was Cadillac Drive from Insecure Season 4, which is a really good song. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Okay, then there was the trivia part, right? The throwback. Yeah. Uh, since time wasn't real this year, you revisited some old favorites. And then it <laughs> asked you, compared to other listeners, which decade did you listen to the most? And mine was 60s, 90s, 2000s, and 70s. What was yours? Uh, same. And mine was, what was your answer? 2000s. Same. <laughs> Obviously. What was the song? What was the song? Uh, hold on. I have to go there. Let me click this. Cause you have to. You mine have to is so right. funny. I can't believe it. You're going to laugh so hard, but it's very on brand for me. Oh, mine's so on brand too. All right. You go first. Okay. Your top song from this time was if you leave from pretty in pink by orchestral maneuvers in the dark. <laughs> what is that? It's a great song, okay? <laughs> Have you ever seen the movie Pretty in Pink? No. I don't you even... get in on the Molly Ringwald, Steve, okay? Pretty in Pink, classic, classic she, movie. She's the one from uh, Breakfast Club, right? Yes. Yeah, yes. I've seen Breakfast Club. Candles. I'm not a big 80s movie fan. That's what, what is that? Why? So what does this have to do with the 2000s? This movie came I, out in the 2000s? I don't know. No, I think it was in the 80s, but that's what it says. It says, hang on. This says my top decade was the 2000s, and it says your top song from this time was blank. Yes, yeah, so does mine. That's what, it says 2000s, but I don't know why that would be in the 2000s. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the Spotify algorithm screwed mm -hmm. up for you there. Yeah, well, I think you messed it up. Mine is extremely predictable. Uh, it says my top song from this time was Slow Dancing in a Burning Room by John Mayer. But here's the thing. The reason I think it's, that is it is, one, because it's a great song. Um, it's a great song. And I two is it. because... Did you remember it was, I think during March Madness of this year, which didn't actually happen. So they were, people were doing different March Madness things. There was a John Mayer bracket that somebody put out and I listened to 
slow dancing in the burning room a lot because it ended up being the number one song in my bracket. So I actually have an excuse, but it is a great song. Yeah. Okay. So next they have another quiz. It says, guess your top artist of the year. And I'm really interested to see who your top four choices were. My top four choices were Third Eye Blind, John, <laughs> John Mayer, Shocker, Drake, and Taylor Swift. That is so you. That is you in a nutshell That's right there. That's very me. Yep. Okay. My top four were Post Malone, Drake, Mac Miller, and Frank Ocean. <laughs> <laughs> that is literally the same thing as my list. That is your version of my list. We're so predictable. We're the worst. We are the uh, yeah. worst. And, and mine was obviously mine. And I'm assuming Third Eye Blind was yours. No, mine was actually John Mayer. <laughs> oh, well, same. But then it says I was in the top 1% of listeners this year. I was in the like, top 1% of John Mayer listeners. Do you think that's true? Yeah, I actually saw somebody on Twitter who was in the top 0.1% of Taylor Swift listeners, which actually has to be really hard to do because Taylor Swift's probably the most popular artist on Spotify. So for you to be in the top 0.1% of people who listen to the most popular artists in the world, that's an impressive feat. You're dedicated. Well, here's what it said about me and Frank, or Frank and I, I should say. It says, my favorite song of Frank's was Provider, and I spent 1,866 minutes listening to that song. Wow, that's way more than me. So my favorite was Slow Dancing in a Burning Room, and I spent 640 minutes listening to their music. So oh, you're, music, yeah. You're in, music. Yeah, you're in the quadruple digits there for Frank Ocean. That's aggressive. You want to know why? Because he's got two impeccable albums, Spotless, and I could listen to them back to back. And some, I mean, Chanel, Provider, Viking, Lens. Moon River. There's a lot of singles that we. Oh, Moon River is good. I love. I actually love Moon River. That's a great song. Yep. Yeah, his rendition is amazing. Uh, my top artists were Frank, Drake, Post Malone, Mac Miller, and then our girl Marin Morris rounding out the the top five. Uh, my top five artists, as I mentioned, were John Mayer, Third Eye Blind, Drake, Taylor Swift, and number five, also Marin Morris. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we're supporting Marin. Yeah, she's great. Um, Okay, so I told you, I, I've taken this weird turn into, and I guess Taylor's not really country anymore, but some of my favorite musical acts are female country singers. If you had told 18-year-old Steve that, he'd be like, what the hell happened to you? But I love it. Oh my God, this is so funny. <laughs> oh, some of these are hilarious. I, my playlist is fire. Fire. Absolute fire. I would listen to this. I should put this on a seven-disc CD and sell it. Yeah, you should. Okay, give me give me some of yours, at, just random, some of them after the top five. We'll just right, as, song as, as I mentioned, number six, Taylor just missed the cut. The One by Taylor is my number six song. Um, that's I love that song. Another Third Eye Blind song, Screamer, awesome. I told you about this band, The Backseat Lovers, Sink and Ship is on there. Three Nights by Dominic Fike is, I love Great that song. song. That's Great on song. mine. Burbank by Harriet, which is not a well-known song, but it was in the show with Anna Kendrick uh, called Love which is on HBO. I haven't seen awesome. it. Is it good? Oh, you'd love it. It's a great show. And that was one okay. of the songs. I actually found it there. Waves by Kanye for some reason. I don't know. Because Waves I, is great. Apparently I was listening to The Life of Pablo. Here's the thing about Waves though, Michelle, is- I know, it's, it's the same it, thing over and over. It actually could be an epically great song, but it's not that good. It just, it's the same thing over and over again. And it's just yeah, Chris Brown doing his thing. And I don't like what? it. It's really good. There's a couple of Mumford songs in there. My Name is Jonas by Weezer. That's random. Anderson Pock. <laughs> Watermelon Sugar, Harry Styles. What's up? There we go. Good song. Um, and yeah, the rest of it's pretty, pretty predictable. What, what do you have? Okay, so uh, number six is going to make you laugh. It's Look Alive by Black Boy JB featuring Drake. Okay. Yep, great song. Really good. Following that, Ocean Eyes by Billie Eilish, but very important distinction here. The Astronomy remix, which is whoo, fire. You don't strike me as a Billie Eilish person. Love Billie Eilish. Interesting, okay. 
Yeah, but the, this astronomy remix of Ocean Eyes, do yourself a favor, download. Um, okay, we've got Snow Child by The Weeknd. Love that jam. Great ones, Marin Morris, Savage, Megan The Stallion. Come on, we listen mm -hmm. to that a lot. Uh, randomly, we've got Seek Romance, the Avicii vocal edit. <laughs> okay, what's up? <laughs> Avicii shouts out. Yosemite, Travis Scott. Okay, let's. Now we're getting into things that you might know. Do you know um, the song Night Rider by Tom Mish? Very nope. good. No. Nope. You would like it very good. You know what song is on mine that's very predictable? What? International Players Anthem. Is that on Spotify? It is. Okay. You told me it wasn't the other day, and I was like, oh, I thought I played it. And yes, it is on Spotify. So okay. it's, in my, can... it's in my best of 2020. Okay, I'm going to give you a few randoms, just rapid fire. Jump okay. out the window, Big Sean. <laughs> okay, that is very <laughs> random. Really so good song. Shout out Detroit. Yeah, Cyanide, Daniel Caesar, love that song. What's poppin', Jack Harlow. All night long, Faith Evans and Diddy. <laughs> <laughs> Not a good It wouldn't be on mine, but okay. Okay, Paper Cut, Linkin Park. Great one. Wow, great song. Linkin Park, underrated. They are don't they, age, are they, don't, they underrated? They don't Everybody age well. Park. They don't age well. I said this about Eminem. The angsty white guy thing just doesn't really play when you get older. But if you throw on some Linkin Park and you're working out or you want to go for a run, it's awesome. They were so good. They were so different uh, during their time. It's just like if you threw Linkin Park on now, people would probably judge you. Everybody would start jamming. And Paper Cut, arguably their best song. It is. It's a, it's a heavy song. Okay, I'll give you three more. <laughs> uh, I'm Grown by G-Unit. <laughs> wow, okay. Random. <laughs> um, Here's oh, one, okay. a good one for me. Go ahead, uh, go ahead. Where the Party At, Jagged Edge. <laughs> Shout go. out. Featuring Nellie and Murphy Lee. <laughs> yep, great song. Great song. How about this one? Guilty Conscience by 070 Shake. Okay. 070 Shake. I don't even know how you say it, but it's a really good song. Oh, yeah. I know, I know the other ours. Uh, I got Dreams by Fleetwood Mac. Great song. A lot of Fleetwood on here, too. Okay. I'll, this is the last one I'm going to give you. How about All Around Me by Flyleaf? I don't know what that is. Okay, hold on. I'm going to play it, and you're definitely going to know it. Oh, I know this song. Yeah, okay. Did you hear the song. chorus? You'll know this yep. part. Yep. yep. But why is that on my 2020 playlist? I, I can see that being a good running, working out song. Yeah, it is. Okay, so we have to get down to like number, I don't know, maybe like 72. And we've got Exile, Taylor and Bonnie Bear. Mm, great song. I think most of her album is in my top songs of 2020. Wow. Okay, well. Good stuff. We I should make our playlist public. Maybe people could. Uh, yeah. Could but I think out. if we have one takeaway from this entire conversation is that we need to listen to Dude Looks Like a Lady. <laughs> I, it was like, Dude Looks Like a Lady. It was like a Kiss song. He liked 80s music. I don't know. It is what it is. I don't know what to tell you. But uh, Dude Looks Like a Lady, not what I would put on, really. And what is the, again, what is the vibe? What is the mood you are having when you're trying to put that song on? I don't even know. So tell us if you know. Yeah, if you too are a massive Aerosmith fan in 2020, let us know. Not even just, not even just Aerosmith, because, you know, what, they have a couple songs. Uh, Sweet I don't Emotion. Want to miss a thing. Well, not that song, but like <laughs> Sweet Emotion. I get that. It's kind of a classic rock, cool song. But Dude Looks Like a Lady is almost, it's like a Weird Al Yankovic song. It's like a parody. I don't even know Whoa. what it Show some respect to Steven Tyler. Mm, I'm not disrespecting Steven respect. Tyler. It's just like, I don't know what mood I'm going to be in when I'm listening to that song. I think it's like a Thursday summertime i'm off work vibe you know what it, it's a karaoke song i can no, see somebody singing no, that at not a, a lot of people have the pipes to carry that yeah that's true Stephen tower stuff but i mean people do uh sweet emotion that's a hard song to sing because he yep. screams half that song people also do adele and they shouldn't 
Nobody should ever do it. You can't, you're waiting to embarrass yourself if you're doing that. You can't possibly do it. What you have to do in a karaoke song, it has to be a song where there's a lot of talking, right? Not yeah. singing, talking. Uh, yeah. Shaggy, perfect example. Do a Shaggy song. He doesn't really sing. <laughs> exactly. And then, and then the crowd's into it. Everybody loves it. You'll be a people favorite. One of the worst things ever is when you go to a karaoke bar and they're like, coming to the stage is Cheryl. And everyone's like, yay, Cheryl. And then, you, you know, she gets settled in and then you hear the first three notes of a Whitney Houston song and you're like, son of a bitch, Cheryl. Yeah. Why are you doing this to us? We all know that you can't do this, but you have had 14 apple martinis and you think <laughs> now's your time to shine. And it's and, not. And she thinks she sounds great too because she doesn't know what she sounds like. As soon as you hear, I believe the children are a future. You're like, Cheryl, no, someone say her. That's my cue. I'm out. Have a good night, everybody. Appreciate the oh, time. Goodbye, Cheryl. Okay, so now that we've talked and revealed our musical taste, let's pivot to Saruti's favorite topics. And we're talking about space. We're talking about science. And we're talking about Jay Cutler. So you, Steve, pick your poison here. Which route would you like to go? Let's do the Jay Cutler one first because it's just, it's quick. I don't really have much to say about it, but you didn't even see this. So Jay, no. cause, you, cause you unfollow Jay Cutler on Instagram, right? Yeah, I didn't think his content was that good, if we're being honest. It definitely peaked during the who was killing his chickens thing, and it's kind of gone downhill since then. But he posted a picture, or it was a video, actually. If everyone remembers, you remember Shannon from the first season, I guess, and some of the second season of Barry Cavallari? She was the redheaded chick. She was she got always fired. got fired. Who, I, By the way, I believe who Jay told Kristen to fire. When Kristen asked, her, asked him for advice, he was like, yeah, get rid of her. She's not, you know, she's not carrying her weight. And Shannon, I mean, Shannon was so annoying in that show because she would never do her work and she would always show up late and nobody ever knew where Shannon was. And she was always so overly emotional about everything. But they hired her because she was good at writing captions, I guess, on Instagram. So I guess she has one skill. But Jay, after his divorce, posts a video of him out to brunch with his friend Chewy and Shannon eating oysters at some random bar. The shade. That is your ex-wife's number one enemy, right? From the show specifically. Everyone would associate her as being Kristen Cavallari's enemy. And here is Jay giving zero fucks, doing the most Jay thing imaginable, having oysters with this random girl. I don't know if it's a dick move or it's him just trolling. It's probably just him trolling, I guess. But that's a weird move from Jay. I didn't know if I liked it that much. He's a free man, Steve. He doesn't have to preserve anyone's feelings anymore. No, you're right. But it's like, okay, it's Petty Jay. That's what it is. And I do like Petty Jay. I, I think I like that guy. I mean, the whole don't care is at the bar, right? When someone's asking, hey, I know Jay Cutler. I went to Vanderbilt. Don't care. Um, I don't know. It just feels like a dick move to me. It does feel beneath him. It feels unnecessary. But maybe he saw the photos of Kristen making out with a dude in Chicago and was like, okay, what can I do to jab you back? What can I do, Steve, to get in the ring and go three rounds? Yeah, but that seems like more of a, like a low blow. Go out and make out with some random girl then. Eye for an eye. COVID, Steve. Uh, that's true. Well, what was Kristen Cavallari doing then? Hey, maybe he's just being more responsible. Maybe. I don't know. Nobody was wearing a mask at that table. I'll say that. But oh, nobody. Mm -hmm. nobody. Um, but I don't know. I just I thought, I thought it was kind of weird. And uh, But again, it's Jay being Jay. And then the other thing that's funny is Devin Hester recently on some, uh, it was like an interview with uh, Bleacher Report, I think, yeah, called, yeah. Him, called him the worst leader he's ever played with, which isn't very surprising. He seems like he'd be a terrible leader. Did you listen to the whole bite? I did, yeah. Okay, so I thought it was really interesting because he talked about how Jay would find a couple guys in the locker room that he liked and kind of glom onto them and ignore everyone else. I'm paraphrasing here, but I was like, yeah, if you watch the show, I could definitely see that going down. What's leader Jay like? He's probably, he's not positive reinforcement guy. He's probably not going to be like, hey guys, let's go out and get it. Like if you're down two touchdowns at halftime, he's not the guy cheering you guys on saying, we can do this, we can come back. He's probably sitting in the corner sulking by himself and he's going to do him. 
But would you rather have that guy as your quarterback or would you rather have Russell Wilson, who is fake positivity all the time, everything's great, oh, my God, guys, like everybody's doing great. You're killing it even though you're playing terrible that day. I think I'd rather be with Jay because Jay's at least a realist. I know what I'm getting from Jay. Whereas a guy like Russell Wilson, I'm like, all right, dude, you tell me I'm awesome all the time. I know I'm not awesome. Like, this is bullshit. You're just blowing smoke up my ass. Okay, and their skill sets are equal in this scenario? Same quarterback, yeah. Um, I think I would rather have Jay because I would pick – Literally anyone except the guy who says Mr. Unlimited. Unlimited. What's up? That's, I let a lot of things go. I can never unhear that. The whole thing was so cringeworthy. And to hear Sierra in the background being like, what, Mr. Who, or whatever it was that she said, I was like, honey, no, you are supposed to be the voice of reason here. That's like, you That's cannot what I'm saying. publish that. You cannot publish that. Listen, this is just a private thing between us. When you're in this house, you can be Mr. Unlimited all you want. But when you walk out those doors or when you are on this public, public platform, you can never release the video, ever. There's, but here's the thing is that there's no way Sierra is into Mr. Unlimited, right? That, Mr. Unlimited is weird and creepy. He's not sexy. Mr. Unlimited is not sexy at all. <laughs> so if I'm Sierra, I'm like, not only should you not post this anywhere, don't ever do it again in my face. I don't want Mr. Unlimited ever again to come out of your personality. But clearly she thinks he's sexy because they just had another kid. If you played yeah. that video, just the audio, and you said, what is this guy's dating life like? I would say 40-year-old virgin. <laughs> just Steve Carell in the movie. No, even he was cooler. Even he was cooler than Mr. Unlimited. But I would say this guy is either a preacher and he is bound by the cloth and therefore does not have sex or he really would like to and there are no options because of things like mr unlimited it's and definitely no options and instead he's banging and procreating with the one of the hottest women alive it doesn't make any sense it actually bothers me to think about it but you heard it here first on the pod jay cutler greater than russell wilson at least as a leader in Saruti's opinion. And you want to hang out with Jay Cutler. You can't be hanging out with Russell Wilson. That guy's probably so boring to hang out with. At least Jay, he's kind of a wild card. He might offend somebody. You might get into a fight. You'd probably have a great night. And you'd be so pumped that you took that one credit class in college, Steve, for boxing. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> I put that to good use. Got to knock somebody out. What's up? Okay, now let's talk about your space and science. All right. Have you seen these monoliths? I have. I've seen them on social media. So there are those big metal objects essentially that are in the desert right that are disappearing yeah they're just in the middle of nowhere one of them was in a desert in utah another one was in romania i think i recently saw one was in some place near san francisco in california and they're just these huge i don't even know if they're triangular posts and they're all metallic uh, metal and have you seen this is probably a stupid question but you've never seen 2001 a space odyssey right no, Steve, it hasn't been in my queue. Haven't <laughs> not in, checked it not out. in your catalog. You're not into 1960s uh, sci-fi. Well, it is no. considered to be, by most, the best sci-fi movie of all time. And the monolith thing, that's part of that movie. So for me, that was the first thing that I came to my mind. I was like, oh my God, the aliens are here. This thing is happening right now. And then all of a sudden, they disappeared. So, and, no, and nobody could explain why. And you know me, I'm a very big aliens. I think we talked about this with Chris Long. Aliens are 100% real. I believe that aliens have probably visited Earth at some point. They may even know we're here, but they leave us alone because, especially this year, because it's like, well, we don't want to touch these people. They're ruining yeah, no themselves. Way. But uh, aliens are 100% real. I'm not saying that these are aliens, but this is a sign. This is something. Yeah, maybe. Or could it be some big elaborate ruse to trick the internet? I thought about that. But then it was also discovered that the one that disappeared in Utah, it was four random bros just put it on a wheelbarrow and, and, and took it out of there. Oh, see, come on. That's what I'm saying. 
This seems like something very easy to trick the internet with. Oh, here's a video of these people magically discovering this and oh my God, now it's gone. But the same monolith in three different places and who knows, they, they, maybe more will be discovered. I don't know. This is some war of the world shit. All of a sudden weird stuff starts popping up and all of a sudden we're being attacked by aliens. While we're in a pandemic. 2020 isn't over yet, guys. We still have a month left and shit, shit can hit the fan. The worst might be at the end. Can you imagine if aliens came down? But as I said, they're like, no, we don't want to deal with their bullshit. They're clearly having a moment. They don't want to get in the crosshairs of all the bullshit that 2020 has brought this the, the population of humanity. So they're probably like, let's wait till 2021. But you never know. Maybe in December, all of a sudden, they're like, we need to put these people to an end because this has been a terrible year and we need to put them out of their misery. Well, maybe they sent the virus to us, though. You ever that, think about that? Look at you putting your tin hat on. What's look, up? What, did you ever think that maybe down, Alex Jones. COVID <laughs> came? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? InfoWars. Maybe, though, COVID came from the aliens, and they got us in a vulnerable state, and now they're sending a monolithic message like, yo, it was us. Yep. All of a sudden, beams are going to come out of these things, and spaceships are going to start hovering over like it's Independence Day all over again, and Will Smith is going to have to save us. Who knows? Why do you think they would put it in the desert, though? Because nobody would find it? I don't really know. I mean, why, why Romania? A message, why wouldn't you put it in, like, Times Square? Well, because I think the whole point is that it's supposed to be hidden. People would see you put it there immediately if it was in Times Square. When you stumble upon it in the desert in... Uh, the middle of Utah, and there's some sort of elaborate plan for them to take over the world, they don't want you to know about it, so they're probably just hiding it. Right, but why would they even send a message? You think they could just take us out right away? Yeah, I mean, if they really wanted to take us out, why would they alert us to that Listen, fact Michelle, first? we don't know what the, cap what the weapons capability of these extraterrestrials are. They, they could be super elite, and maybe they have a Death Star that just all of a sudden blows up the world and they wouldn't have to worry about it, or maybe, here's another thing, they want the planet, maybe. Maybe they take over, you know, they want our resources, they want to use People, I don't know who knows. There's all the possibilities around the table. All I'm saying is do not rule out the fact that this is alien witchcraft. Noted. It is not ruled out. I really <laughs> hope that it's not because I don't know if there was enough Frank Ocean out there to get me through an alien invasion. No, Frank Ocean, he's mostly just for breakups, not alien encounters. And a pandemic. Trust and me. a pandemic. So overall sadness, but not yeah. like impending doom. He doesn't really have that covered. Yeah. When I was like, oh, my South Africa trip is canceled. Cue up Frank. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I'm like, we got to be sad at home. Put on pyramids. Here we go. Does he sing any happy yeah, music? Does he have any happy music? Yeah, I mean, he's got some jams. He's just a prolific storyteller, Steve, and a lyricist, and just an incredible creator of music. And there are some songs that are more bops than others, but really, it's just a lot of soul. Until you made a song about aliens, though, are you really a great songwriter? Probably not. So John Mayer, a terrible songwriter, noted. That's fine. He hasn't reached that <laughs> level yet. Nobody's at that level. But if anyone was going to write a song about aliens, it would be John Mayer. He's a deadhead, so I could totally see him having an alien song up his sleeve. Yeah, like peyote in the desert, and all of a sudden he's writing about UFOs and shit. I could 100% see that happening. Now that we've gone through everything, we've got to, I've been patient. I've been patient <laughs> because I knew you had some things you wanted to discuss, but I have been dying to talk about the undoing. Okay, everyone listening, this is the part of the podcast where if you have not seen the show, you need to pause the podcast so we don't give you any spoilers. We do not want to ruin the show for you. So if you haven't seen it, please pause the podcast. Watch The Undoing. It's only six episodes. HBO, I think they're about an hour each. You can get through it. Yeah. And revisit us later. Revisit us later. But for all of you who have watched The Undoing, we've got to download on this shit together because, whoa, was that a six-hour roller coaster, Steve? It's so funny, too, because... I remember seeing the advertisements for it on HBO and I'm a big wait till the series is over and then binge watch it. So my wife, Maddie and I were like, okay, let's wait till it's all out and then we'll watch the episodes together instead of waiting, you know, week to week to week. 
So on Friday night, I think it was Friday night, right? When the finale was, it was Friday or Saturday night. Everyone on Twitter was talking about it. I'm like, oh my, I didn't even know that many people watched the show. And they were all, I was, I was dodging spoilers like I was playing dodgeball in high school. But I loved it. And I guess we're going to get right into the ending. I just did not. Hold I on, did, hold on. No, not the ending yet. We've got to talk okay. about the build up to the ending. Okay. So the undoing, here's what it is. It's a six-part miniseries, I guess you could say, starring Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant. And it's a murder mystery. It's a New York City murder mystery. It's a whodunit. It's a classic whodunit. It's a rich white drama, you know, with upscale people in New York. It's right up Michelle's alley. Yeah. I mean, it's money. It's power. It's sex. It's intrigue. It's murder. It's family. It's loyalty. Private school. All this stuff. But the reason things like that are usually good is because if you have the power to cover something up or if you have the money to cover something up, it can cast doubt on other people, you know, if you have the resources at hand. So that's why I think a lot of people make shows like that because it's easier to say, oh, okay, is it Steve or is it Michelle? But basically it's about a woman who is a world-renowned psychologist and her husband who is a children's cancer doctor. And they have a great marriage, they have a son. Her father is incredibly wealthy and is very well-to-do and tied in in New York City. I wanted to know what he did. That was the biggest mystery now that I know the ending. I, what, I the hell, what did he do to have this lavish, I mean, obviously he had many cars and many servants working for him. His apartment was unbelievable. Yeah, he's blading in and out of the city like it's no big deal. <laughs> yeah, um, right. He's like, it's Michelle with some of her friends. I was like, what does this guy do? And they never told yeah. me. Full Hamptons estate. His wife was dead. Nicole Kidman in the show's mom was dead. So we didn't really know the backstory on that. But all of a sudden, yeah, this guy was just mystery. an absolute baller. We didn't know what yeah. he did. He had and by the way, power. Donald Sutherland, love Donald Sutherland. He was in Beer Fest. And then you go from Beer Fest to this. What an actor. What about those eyebrows, Steve? Those eyebrows deserved some sort of an Oscar nod. I mean, they the way he would kind of raise one of those eyebrows and the hair was poking out, I was he, like, okay. He has I to brush to... those, right? They stick straight out at the top. I mean, he, ha- he looked like I Gandalf. Think- I think he just lets them go unruly. Mm, I think there's a mess. You know how some dudes, they do the messy hair look? He has the messy eyebrow look. That's on purpose. I think there's pomade in those. There, there's, a, there's hairspray <laughs> in there too. They might not even be real. I don't even know. You think that they're prop eyebrows? His eyebrows are longer than some of the hair on my head. True story. And the way that they stuck out, don't you think that would bother you that it'd be in your periphery? Like you'd always kind of think something was flying up there because your eyebrows would be right there. But it's like Anthony Davis. He's known for the unibrow. Donald Sutherland's known for having these crazy wizard looking eyebrows. Gotta be known for something. He was the eyebrows first. Step (laughs) back, AD. Yep. Yeah. But I love Donald Sutherland and uh, he was very good, but I just want to know what he did. He was very good. So basically the entire thing was about, starts out with the mom, Nicole Kidman. She is on the board for a charity event at her son's school, which is a very well-to-do private school in New York City, 50 grand a year, the whole deal. And there's a kid that goes to school with her son who's kind of a scholarship kid. He is from a less financially secure background and his mom joins the charity board, goes to this charity event. She's a hot young thing with a baby. She's just wild and free, breastfeeding everywhere she goes, standing nude in a locker room. I mean, she is just- I wanted to ask me. you about I am that. hot, accept it. Yeah, she was hot. She's Italian. I looked her up. She's from Bologna, Italy. Um, Love her already. Yeah. Sorry about your face. But here's the thing. Yeah, that's also another thing. <laughs> the amount of times, and it, it was effective, but the amount of times they showed her basically getting hit over the head with a, with a, a hammer. Every time I would go, ugh. Right in the side of the eye too. And it's like, ugh. 
man, it was way too realistic, but it was yeah, good. So like it had as, the effect. As Steve alluded to, she gets murdered. <laughs> she dies. Yes. Spoiler alert. If, you have, if you're still <laughs> listening at this point, sorry. I mean, you probably, here's the thing. You probably already know what we're, what we're talking about. But what I wanted to ask you was, I didn't know when the whole locker room scene was happening, whether or not that was super weird in a women's locker room. Because in a dude's locker room, let me tell you how it works. Oh, yeah. Fill me in. Especially if you're at a YMCA, old dudes specifically, uh -huh. like if you're 60 plus, if you're like in the Korean War, or I should say, or anything like that, <laughs> there's a good chance that you're walking around naked in the locker room and you don't think it's weird. And all the young guys are like, why is this guy's dick out? Like, this is so weird. <laughs> We're just trying to shower after we got to work out. Some of us are playing pickup hoops. And all of the old guys are butt ass naked. And there's wrinkles, there's folds. They don't give a shit about anything. They just walk around. They don't even wear towels. They don't care. So for me, I'm like, okay, in the dude's locker room, that's what some old dudes do. I didn't know if younger girls, that was a thing that they just walk around naked in the locker room. So you're telling me older dudes like to air it out. Literally, they do that. Sometimes they'll even use the hand dryer thing to dry some things off. That's what I'm saying. It's weird, but it, it, I've seen it. It happens. Usually it's at a YMCA. I'm telling you. That doesn't seem like it would fly in a post-COVID world. Uh, well, it certainly hasn't happened in 2020, but, uh, <laughs> but no. But I didn't know. Like, do young girls do that in locker rooms? Are they just like, whatever, like, I'm just going tits out? <laughs> <laughs> so um, the locker room scenarios that I've been in, there's some women that are more comfortable with their bodies and are fine being nude. But I would say the majority of locker room experiences I've had, girls will obviously get naked to change, but they kind of stick to their locker, right? Like they'll get naked in front of They're not of walking locker. around talking to people. Yeah. Listen, this girl, what was her name? Elena. Right. Elena. Okay. This girl, Elena had a banging body and she was hot and she was having an affair with this woman's husband and she went up to her completely naked to make a point she wanted to be seen she wanted her to be like wow you look great and then she's like your husband thinks so too this was not said but this was the dialogue going on in her head no that's not normally what happens a woman does not come up to me steve in the locker room and say hey wow that workout class was tough today and she's <laughs> totally new Full that is frontal. not what yeah. happened Full yeah. frontal. And especially Nicole Kidman was sitting down in that scene and Elena was standing up. So she was kind of looking up. I get you. The angles. It's a little, it could be a little aggressive. That doesn't happen. That doesn't, I'm sure some women might disagree that they've had interesting locker room experiences. But for me personally, normally women just want to change, get in, get out, get about their day. But yeah, that was a very intentional naked okay. locker room play. Well, yeah, that was, an, it was an uncomfortable scene. It was a good scene because at that point you thought there was sexual tension. You thought that Elena was into what she actually kind of was, but was into Grace, was into Nicole Kidman. And that's why I thought, I thought they were going to make out in the locker room or something, or at least Elena was trying so to that. do that. And I'm like, there's some weird sexual vibes happening here. I don't really know why. Yes. So basically the entire thing, this woman is found murdered and it's who killed her. Is it the husband who was having the affair? Was it her husband who maybe walked in on them and saw it happening? Mm -hmm. Jealous rage. Was it Nicole Kidman, the wife who maybe caught wind of the affair? Was it her son who had seen yeah. the couple together outside the school? So the entire time, they're dropping little breadcrumbs that make one person or the other more suspicious. And it was so well done and so well executed. But after I watched the first episode, I texted Saruti my theory. I was like, okay, we're putting this in a time capsule now. I watched a lot of, I was so confident, Steve. I was so confident in my answer. And I was half right. I was half right. I got who did it right, but not for the right reasons. Obviously, right away, Hugh Grant, Jonathan is accused of doing this. Yes. And initially, I was like, no way he did it. No way. because Too the simple. Exactly. And here's the other thing that I think they did a great job with is Hugh Grant is Mr. Rom-Com. 
He's not a murderer. So not only the character in the show, but the actor that's playing him is not a murderer. So I think they did a really good job. And obviously we're doing spoiler alerts here and he ends up being the guy, but casting him, it was the perfect guy to, to be cast in that role because you're like, not only do I, would it be too simple for it to be him, but Hugh Grant doesn't play murderers. So that's why the brilliance of the show is the entire time you're watching this, believing there's no way he did it. There's no way it's that simple. There's no way it's that simple. The show tricks your mind and it ends up being an Occam's razor situation where the simplest explanation is usually the right one. Yeah. And Nicole Kidman plays this very stoic, rich psychiatrist who isn't showing, I mean, she shows some emotion, but is generally keeping it together. And you're thinking, why are you keeping it together? You kind of never know where her head's at. I mean, you you think you do. Initially, she's like, I don't want anything to do with you. And then she kind of gets back into his life. She helps hire this lawyer who was great, by the way. And then, you know, then she makes the phone call and talks to Jonathan's mother. And then as soon as she says, I want to go on the stand, I'll testify you kind of know something's off here because she also talks to her friend who's friends with the prosecuting lawyer. And you're like, something's up, but I don't know exactly what it is. Um, But the way that they built up sort of the tension throughout the thing, but still kind of kept you guessing about what everyone's intentions were was awesome. You didn't know until literally 15 minutes left in the final episode, who did it? Well, I was going to ask you, when did you know it was him? Okay, well, I te- here's what I texted Steve in the time capsule after episode one. This is before we knew that Jonathan had the affair. And I texted Steve. <laughs> I said, Nicole Kidman and the girl have an affair. The husband catches them in the affair and he murders her out of rage and jealousy. So I thought it was him. But then I, you know, obviously they dropped the breadcrumb that they were having an affair. And then my mind kind of shifted. I thought it was Nicole Kidman up until maybe 15, 20 minutes into the final episode. Because again, spoiler alert, at the end of episode five, the entire time, one of the the main storylines here is they can't find the murder weapon. They can't find the murder weapon. She's an artist. She was bludgeoned to death with her sculpting hammer. They can't find it. And at the very end of episode five, she goes to open her son's violin case and there's a sculpting hammer. Mm -hmm. And I thought, because he had, when he left, at the beginning, he flees the scene, by the way, at the, um, once the body is found. And so that, of course, makes him look guilty. And he had gone to say goodbye to his son while he was, the son was sleeping before. So I thought it's too simple for him to hide it in the son's room. That would not be smart. So I thought, oh, she hit it. She put it there. She had the weapon the entire time. And she's framing him to get back at him for cheating on her. That's what I thought up until episode six, when all of a sudden we realized, oh no, this is a full-blown psychopath that beat up and then murdered his lover. The show was a mindfuck for me personally, because the entire time, the entire six episodes, I didn't have a, I think so-and-so did it. I was just thinking, there's no way it was Hugh Grant. There's no way. Yeah. I didn't think it was Grace. I didn't think it was the son. Maybe I was holding out hope being like, okay, maybe it's some random person, right? Maybe there's something that we don't know yet or some person that we don't know that murdered her for some reason. It turns out that wasn't the truth. And I say mindfuck because it, again, it's the, it's the simplest explanation, but they trick you into thinking that there's no way it can be him. Mm-hmm. And Hugh Grant did a really good job of sort of lying, not only as an actor, but in the writing and the storytelling of being like, I didn't do this. And all of his actions sort of indicate that there's no way that he could be a murderer, that he was a kind and gentle guy. Yes, he had an affair. But then, you know, after the whole thing is done, you realize, okay, he is the guy. You're like, yeah, of course he did it. You know, he was clearly a sociopath and he got high off of helping 
children and, and fixing families and curing kids of cancer. He was a bit of a narcissist. Um, obviously, he, obviously, he cheated on her twice that he admitted to with Elena and then some other random chick that they didn't really talk about. And then obviously, when he's driving on the bridge, he just comes out as this full-blown crazy person. So I didn't really have any theories. I was just convinced it wasn't Jonathan, probably because I liked Hugh Grant. Well, here's what made me think he didn't do it. They hired this very high-powered attorney, the best that money can buy, because again, eyebrows is loaded and we don't know why, but he's got yep. the capital to hire whoever. He had $2 million is. just to, just to you know, post yeah. bail. Like, post bail. Yeah. If you got $2 hire- million, you got way more than $2 million. Yeah, you've got, we're talking Bs in the billions here. So, I also thought, I guess in my mind too, I kept him open as a suspect too. So did I, that he and paid somebody to do it? I didn't know why, but I was like, he's so... He feels like he's withholding something from us, but it ended up obviously not being it. Well, because he kept defending his daughter. He was like, I can't say no to her. I protect her at all costs, things like that. Mm -hmm. But I thought that Hugh Grant didn't do it because when they hired the lawyer, the first thing she says was, I've gone over the evidence. It does not look good for you. I think we can get you a plea deal. And he went nuts. And he was like, I'm innocent. I Mm -hmm. will not accept a plea. And I always think that if I ever got accused of something I didn't do, I would be screaming it from the rooftops. I would be like, will you listen to me that I did not do this? And I thought if I was innocent, I would be like, I'm not taking a plea for something I didn't do. We're fighting this till the end and I'm going to be exonerated. So I thought they did a really good job with that because that's to me what an innocent person would do. 100%. I I asked Maddie, I was like, would you, if you're accused of murder and you didn't do it, would you accept a plea deal to not go to jail for life? And I think both of us were like, no, I'd rather go to jail maintaining my innocence than take a plea deal, even if it makes my life better. Even if the the evidence is overwhelming that I did it and there's no way out, I'd be like, nope, I'm not going to take a plea deal because I didn't do it. So you're right. That was a great tactic. And again, probably why he was a bit of a narcissist. Okay. So the final, I don't know, maybe half hour of the show to me, Steve culminated every emotion that I felt in 2020. That little snapshot at the end of that show was every emotion that I felt this entire year. I was high anxiety. I was really scared. I cried a little. I was freaking out when he gets his son. So what happens is they go through the trial and it looks like he's going to get away with it. And then Nicole Kidman finds the murder weapon. This guy brought it to their Hamptons home. The son found it. He hid it to protect the dad. Nicole Kidman finds it. She realizes finally, she was defending him this entire time, or at least trying to protect him. And she was like, holy shit, he did it. He's the killer. Okay. But even at that point, he accuses the son. He accuses Henry of saying, hey, is it possible that Henry did this? And I'm like, if he's accusing his son, he didn't do it. He didn't do it. So even though in the uh, in the face of overwhelming evidence that he did do it, because the damn weapon is in an outdoor oven, which do a better job of hiding Throw the weapon it in than the putting ocean it in an outdoor that's weapon. 10 steps away, um, right? I'm still, even at that point, I'm going, I don't know. I don't think he did. I just, I still didn't think he did it. It's a mind fuck because they're showing you all this evidence that he is the guy. And in, I'm saying, no way, no way. There's got to be something else. No way. But Nicole Kidman finds the weapon and she's like, he did it. Since she did it. That was her eye-opening that, moment. That yep. was her breaking point. So she does the shady plot where she gives her friend some intel on the husband who feeds it to the prosecution. She takes the stand and she reveals it. She totally backs him in a corner to where he knows he's going to go to jail for life. Maybe even the chair. I don't know the statutes in New York. But anyway, so what he does is he picks up his son for breakfast and then he flees. He goes on this crazy drive. And I think he deserves awards for that scene, like that buildup. Because in the beginning, he's 
kind of laughing with his son. He's trying to say this could be our, our last time together. And as the scene builds, he gets more and more and more unraveled and more, and more and more deranged to the point where he's almost driving into other cars. He's screaming. He jumps out of the car. He's almost going to commit suicide and jump off the bridge. That entire scene was impeccable. It was incredible. I'm crying thinking about the son. The kid who played the son did who knew such he did, a good job. Who knew job. his dad did it. He knew. I mean, he, he even said. It. He found he the said, weapon. Yep. Because he said, he's like, I, I hit it and I put it in the dishwasher twice because I, because I wanted to protect my dad. Yeah. But the way that he acted in the car, the way that he portrayed a nervous energy that, that turned into fear immediately but not wanting to reveal to his dad that he was really scared and then blatant yeah. fear and terror and desperation. That kid did such a good job. He did. And Hugh did. I mean, the rage spikes that Hugh had, cause he would snap for a little bit and then he'd come back and be like, no, 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 that, that was. And then when he was talking about how you're a murderer, Henry essentially says like, you're a murderer. You killed this girl. And he was like, that wasn't the dad, you know, that wasn't the me that you know. And it's like, that's not well, my legacy. This, this guy. Yeah. He's like, you're my legacy, my, my career. And I'm like, this guy's lost it. I mean, lost it. And I get it because he thought he was going to get off with murder. And all of a sudden, because Grace betrays him. And this is my favorite line in the entire show, Michelle. I got shit. And this is the second that I knew. And I think obviously it was like the tell. I still thought when Grace said that she was going to take the stand, I knew something was weird, but I didn't know that she was going to just throw him under the bus. Um, so I was still holding out hope or maintaining some idea that he might be innocent. But when Right after it happens and Grace and the dad leave and they cut to the shot of Jonathan and the lawyer. And he's like, you screwed this up. You put her on the stand. This is your fault. And she's like, no, she was in your camp and you lost her because you couldn't get rid of the fucking hammer. How stupid could you be? It was the best line of the show. I had chills. I couldn't believe I'm like, he did it. That's it. So she knew that he did it. And the lawyer was great. She was, she I, don't was know, I don't know who plays her, but she, we'll from the out. start was like, I don't care if you're guilty or innocent. I'm taking this case. And I know what the evidence they have and what they have against you. And I think we can get out of it. But she knew he was guilty. She knew it. And she said, how could you be so fucking stupid to not get rid of that hammer? This is on you. I thought that was the best part of the show. Steve, as we're talking about the undoing, can I give you a breaking piece of NBA news? I saw it, actually. Yes. <laughs> the uh, Russell Russell the, trade. Yeah, the Rockets agreed to trade Westbrook to the Wizards for John Wall in a first round pick. I mean, both terrible contracts. So I guess I would say the Rockets win because they get a pick out of it. But the Rockets also gave up a shit ton of picks to get Russell Westbrook. So everybody's a loser here. Nobody wins. Kind of like the undoing, you know, when your husband commits murder, no one wins. Yeah. Well, I would say that's 2020 in a nutshell as well. Nobody, nobody won 2020. Okay. Before we wrap up the undoing, one more basketball question. What does this mean for Bradley Beal, Steve? What do you think? I think Bradley Beal will probably stay now because I would assume the Wizards are going to try to be good. Because let's be honest, right now, Westbrook is better than John Wall. I think Westbrook's always been better than John Wall. And John Wall's coming off of the Achilles injury. So I think they're going to try to win and make the playoffs. I mean, I don't, their ceiling is probably like a six or seven seed in the East. But I think they're going to try to make the playoffs. But Bradley Beal, I know your guy from St. Louis, what's up? I'd imagine he's not there for that much longer. Probably the year. Unless things go really bad and they, and they move him at the deadline. Okay. Yeah, I like reading the rumors about where Bradley Beal could end up because he just seems to be so stuck in Washington. And I would love to see him play for a good team and have a, ch a chance to win. You know where I want to see him? Golden State. Dallas. Dallas. He's the perfect player with Luka. He's, he doesn't need the ball to impact the game. He's got a little Clay Thompson to him where he's just going to stand and shoot. And he could pop 30 and a quarter, no big deal. And Luka could still be the star of the show as the point guard. And they desperately, desperately need a player like him. If they were to get Bradley Beal... They, I'm not, they're not going to be better than the Lakers, but they could be in the Western Conference Final. 
And that's talking NBA with Saruti. <laughs> you know what, Steve? We need to give you more of an NBA platform here. We should do a, a weekly Saruti's NBA Minute or something, or like Saruti's NBA time, whatever we, you want to well, talk about. We used to do the Magic Minute on Rosillo's pod. Uh, oh, which is yeah, a big there you hit. go. But let's do the, yeah, we'll do the NBA Minute. Um, the season starts in a couple weeks, so. Well, if you did Magic Minute, should we call it something else, like the NBA Corner with Steve Saruti? Talking hoops with Saruti. <laughs> Talking hoops with Saruti. That's what we're doing. We're talking hoops with Saruti. And also, can we also quickly talk soccer? Because Steve and I, by the way, are now weekend text buddies because mm-hmm. I am I'm all proud of you. about the EPL. I'm watching games that don't even include Leicester City, that don't even include my Foxes. I'm texting Steve all of these soccer questions because I'm invested now. I was proud of you. When you texted me about Edison Cavani's hair, I'm like, she must be watching the game. That's amazing. This isn't, this isn't even a Leicester game. This is awesome. And I think you watched some of the Tottenham City game, right? Or the, I'm sorry, the Tottenham Chelsea game. I did. Uh, right after that, which was kind of the game of the weekend. It sort of turned out to be a dud because. You know, Major dud. Nil-nil tie. Spare yeah. Best Spurs, though, they sit back and they just, you know, they park the bus and they don't try to, you know, if they'll try to nip a goal and win one nil. That's what they want to do. But they were happy to take a draw there. But I was proud of you. And I've told you this for a while. My favorite thing about the week is really my Saturday and Sunday mornings of waking up early, making an espresso, having maybe some eggs and just sitting on the couch and watching all these games. And then you have the, the rest of the day to do whatever you want. It's the perfect start to the weekend. So I've been telling you this for a while and I was proud of you that you uh, took part. Yeah. Who knew that I would wake up and turn on the Manchester United game and check out my boy Cavani. I think he had two goals, right, Steve? Including the game, the game winner. Yep. Came back and won. But uh, I texted you because I'm watching Cavani and here's this guy with these flowing locks and a headband. And I just thought to myself, I know Saruti's watching this game. If I'm watching this game, Saruti's definitely watching this game. And I want to know if Cavani's flow made you want to be a headband guy again. And I texted you back. I saw a picture of me in a backwards hat with my long hair and I, I actually really missed it. I really missed it. Is now the time to grow it out again, or do you think nope. that stage has passed? I don't think I'll ever do it again. It took me over almost a year. It took me over a year, actually, to grow it to that length. It's, it's too much work. There's too many awkward stages. You could get extensions or a weave like me. I, I could do that. I don't, can, <laughs> can dudes get extensions? I mean, I know Wayne Rooney got hair plugs, but other than that, I don't think you can get extensions on art. My hair's an inch long. Yeah, I mean, could you imagine me just showing up with, a, with like a wig on, like a long wig, and just acting like it wasn't a big deal? Like, this is me, just, you know. Play like Moira, Moira Rose, where I'm just putting on a different wig for whatever my mood is. My girls, save the girls. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but dudes wear toupees. Yeah, but toupees, that's only if it's you're- like a wig. People should never wear toupees, that's insane, okay? The, but they the do. New, well, the new, thing now, the new thing now, if you've seen this, uh, I've seen this all over Instagram, is if you're balding on top, they'll put glue on your head and they'll put a patch of hair down and they'll give you a haircut with it. And it's like, I don't know how long it lasts. It lasts, it probably lasts a couple of weeks or something, but that's like the new toupee is gluing hair to your head. Why go through all that and get something glued to your scalp when you could just do the Mikey C route and spray on your hair? Because if the wind blows and you're bald again, that's that's probably why you don't do that. But uh, my, I gotta see Mikey C. For those of you who know, outside of Mike, he actually looks good. The sprinkles on hair, it's actually kind of effective. But it looks I, good that, on him. But bald is also sexy now. Bald's in. All bald's you gotta hot. do is shave your head and grow a beard. The bald beard look is a great look. So embrace that. I don't know. I think the bald look is so hot. So many. It's like the Jason Statham vibe. You know, it instantly makes you look tougher. And you know what it is when you see a bald guy with a beard, you're like, that's a man. I agree. You could be a hat guy. You know, you can wear hat. I'm a hat guy and I have hair. So it's not that big of a deal. Toupee is the last route that you should go. But no, I'm not thinking about growing my hair out again. I I think it's too much work. Yeah, go the Bruce Arians route. Get like a newsboy hat. Well, the Kangol Kangol is an aggressive look. I wouldn't recommend (laughs) that. Okay, if you were balding and you had to wear hats, rank the hats that you would wear in this order, okay? 
snapback, kangol, fedora, or classic pulled down baseball hat? I would go classic pulled down baseball hat one. I would go snapback two. And I would never wear a Kangol and I would never wear, what was the other one? Fedora. fedora. I would never wear a fedora. You have who, to go, you have to bring. That. What do I look like, Michelle? Uh, fedora's, fedora is a distant last. Here it goes. It would go regular hat, pull down baseball hat, shortly after snapback. I like both of them. Huge gap, Kangol. Huge, <laughs> huge Grand Canyon gap, uh, fedora. That's how I'd rank them. And when you come to visit me, Steve, I, during quarantine, when I couldn't get my hair done, bought a fedora out of not fashion, but necessity. It's different and I'll have you, you wear it. I'll have it, you wear it just to see how it feels. Just try it no, on. A, a dude in a fedora, Jason Mraz did that like 15 years ago. It, that was it. Justin Timberlake I, rocked one. He looked cool. He wouldn't rock one now. I'll tell you that. Who knows? Because he's off the map and maybe he should be after Man of the Woods. Still disappointed. It was terrible. It was really, actually, one of the most disappointing albums. I, I love you, Justin, but one of the most disappointing albums you, I've Justin. ever listened to. We know he's um, my guy. He's my number one guy. Uh, you know what? Justin Timberlake didn't even crack my top 100 this year. And I love Justin Timberlake. He's just off the radar now. Me too. It's actually sad. It is. You know, God. Eliza, we need another reason to be bummed out in 2020. Both of us. We go back and listen to old music. Not even old music. Music that's like five, ten years old. And uh, Justin's not in the rotation. I don't really have an explanation as to why. But I don't know. Maybe Man in the Woods was that bad where I'm like, mm, I got to rethink everything I, I know about music. Well, it was kind of a gradual decline, like justified, amazing. Great. Um, Underrated, like, actually, at this point, I think justified. Bottom, there are songs on there that do not get enough love that are great songs. Future Sex Love Sounds, also great. A lot of mm -hmm. great songs on there. Um, then what was it called? 2020 Vision or something? 2020 or, Experience, right? Yeah, I mean, it was like a yeah. double CD. A few hits on there. Strawberry Bubblegum, good. Blue Ocean Floor, good. High um, ceilings, low floors. Low floors. Yep. A lot of misses. And I don't even know if there was anything in between, but then Man of the Woods, there's not even one song that I like. Nope, on not one redeeming song. I would, nope. I listened to the album once through and I have not listened to it again since. Same. Yeah, I don't even think there's one solo hit, like one single hit on there. I'm not mad, Justin. We're just disappointed. You know what he needs? Timbaland. Did he not have to? I didn't know that. I, did, well, I don't so, know. I don't know. But Timbaland made Justified, the Neptune. No, no, no. He didn't make, uh, no, Timbaland didn't. The only album he didn't make, at least of the early ones, Justified was just... Uh, Pharrell and, and the Neptunes. After that, the next two albums were Timbaland. And then I, I guess Man in the Woods was just a solo, I don't know, YOLO effort. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do it by myself, but you shouldn't. You, you shouldn't though. You know what Man in the Woods was? It was Man in the Woods, solo effort. I'm going to write these songs because I'm cast away in this cabin in the woods. Man in the Woods was like Godfather 3. And I don't even like the guy. I think the Godfather's overrated, but everyone would tell you that Godfather 1 and 2 are two of the best movies of all time. And then Godfather 3 was so bad that it makes you rethink everything about the series itself. That's what Man in the Woods is. Yeah. You know what? We need a bounce back effort from him. I hope that right now he's hiding out. Here's he's hanging out with his wife and family. He's cooking up some jams because I'm not ready to call it quits. And I don't think he should either. I don't think that you should just, you know, if you're the Atlanta Falcon, that's what it was, right? He was up 28 to three at halftime. And then he comes out with man of the woods and that's the second half. And he ends up taking a massive L, but you don't give up, Steve. You just get back out there and you try to get back to the Super Bowl. If Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake came out with an album tomorrow, which one would you be more excited about? Britney, no doubt. I think so too. And think about what that says about where Justin Timberlake, how far it's gone and how bad it's gone. But can I explain myself? 
because Britney was never the artist that Justin was, okay? Britney was Max Martin or whoever is going to write this song. We're going to throw some throaty vocals on there, slap some auto-tune on it. It doesn't even matter if Britney yep. sings it. Video. All, all I need is her dancing in the video. All I need is her being like, and then her dancing. That's it. I went and paid money, Steve, to see her in Vegas. She didn't sing a lick. She didn't sing one word. She didn't even entertain the crowd. The only thing she said was like, hey, guys. But she danced her ass off, Steve. She danced her little heart out, and it was amazing. She's an entertainer. I get that, but I'm trying to drive home a point that that is how far Justin has gone. Because it, it wouldn't even be close five years ago. It would be, oh, my God, Justin. I mean, there were people begging him to come out with an album. Comes out with right. the 2020 experience. It was good. And now it's like, mm, you could have it. Maybe I'm going to skip that one. Right. Pass. Totally pass. Okay, Steve, do you have anything else before one we more get thing. to the review? All right, one more thing about The Undoing, actually. I was thinking about this while I was watching the show, and then it, it dawned on me after the show was over, and it, it was confirmation. I think if you were to rank the genres, and I don't even know how to say this, but like the genres of storytelling, visual storytelling, right? You have movies, regular television shows, miniseries. I would rank them. I think miniseries slash limited series are the best thing that visual storytelling has to offer. I would go limited, miniseries one, I would go movies two. I would go regular multi-season series three. I think a, a good miniseries, like six to eight episodes, is the perfect way to tell a visual story. Think about it. Band of Brothers. Big Little Watch, Lies. Big Little Lies. Obviously, The Undoing. Um, Sharp Objects. All these HBO shows. The Queen's They're, Gambit. Queen's Gambit. So, so good. Whereas, you know me, my feeling about long shows like Breaking Bad, even Game of Thrones to some extent... Sometimes I feel like those shows, they keep going. They keep going because they're making money and the studios want them to make seasons. And it doesn't really need to be eight, eight seasons long, but it ends up being eight seasons long. The cool thing about miniseries and limited series is there's a story. We have six episodes and that's the story. And it's over. There's no like, hey, what's going to happen next season? No, it's over after the season thing is over. But it's longer than a movie where you get the extended enjoyment out of it. And there's actually some finality to it. So I think the limited miniseries is the best, that, uh, the best of the three. Thoughts. I couldn't agree more. And I feel like limited, limited episodic storytelling series have been on a hot streak. They've just been great. HBO, is, by the way, is the best of them. I think they knock it out of the park. Chernobyl, okay. Watchmen, The Outsider, even stuff like The Last Dance. All of these are limited series. They're perfect. They're so good. More of them, please. Can I give you one other general observation about HBO? You go. So over the weekend, I watched Ted Lasso. Oh, me too. So good. So good. Maybe next week we touch on Ted Lasso because we don't have enough time today, but I do have Ted Lasso thoughts. But I have watched now on Apple TV, The Morning Show and Ted Lasso, both good shows. The worst opens in the history of TV. Mm -hmm. The open to Ted Lasso had nothing to do with the show. The song was terrible. Well, let's settle down. It was Marcus Mumford. So let's, it's let's, not, a, let's it's not, not good. Let's not it's be not, too critical. <laughs> it's not a good choice. It was not but a good you're choice. You're right. It, it felt... Totally out. Yeah. It, like, yeah also, they, do, they would do an opening scene and the, the song would kick in and it just felt like it, it didn't belong. But yes. And same thing with the morning show. It just, it was too long. It didn't match. And I thought, you know what? HBO consistently kills it with their opens. Kills Sex it. in the City, one of the best opens of all time. Game of Thrones, you hear that music kick in, killed it. The Band Sopranos, the Sopranos has the best open in the history of television. Woke up this morning, got myself a gun as Tony Soprano's driving over the Verrazano <laughs> Bridge on his way to work and probably kill somebody. One of the best opens ever and even the undoing had a great open i just think that they do such a good job 
with the little details like that. And Apple TV, you should pay attention with your opens. You need it, somebody to do a better job. I will say there is some good stuff on Apple TV though, but then let's, take it, let's take it a step further because I had this discussion with my friends. We'll do this quickly. If you can only have one streaming platform, like Netflix, Amazon uh, Prime Video, HBO, Hulu, you can only get one of them. Another one that I didn't name, whatever you want. You get one though. Which one are you picking? Oh, that is such a good question. I think the answer is obvious for me. You know what? This might be recency bias. I think I'm going HBO. That's I think the correct I'm going answer. HBO. That is the correct you, answer. Netflix is in there just because of the variety, because they have a lot of variety. But for me, the best TV shows that I've ever watched are on HBO. Mm -hmm. Sex in the City, Game of Thrones, The Sopranos, The Wire. You've got movies. You've got sports documentaries. You've got comedy specials. You've got stuff for the kids. I mean, yep. <laughs> you've got everything on HBO. <laughs> HBO for the kids. Yeah, do it for um, the kids. You are correct. Netflix is... It has good content. I would say it's HBO one, Netflix two, and then there's probably a big drop off. But the problem with Netflix is it has so many shows and so many movies, but a lot of it is trash. A lot, a lot of it is garbage. Trash. Whereas when something's on HBO, they might not have the catalog. They might not have the sure numbers that Netflix has, but it's usually pretty quality. So I would say you go, you go quality over quantity, HBO over Netflix. Agreed. Um, one more thing before we go, I was trying to find a movie on demand the other night. And man, are there some trash movies that I've never heard of on demand. Uh, there are more terrible movies on Netflix than I think I've ever imagined in my life. They're yeah. all bad. Like, Most of the Netflix movies are bad. Who puts the funding in for some of this shit? Once you reach a certain point, you're able to just pitch anything and then people will make your movie. I don't know who those people are. They're producers, they're actors, I don't know. But Netflix, their hit rate on movies is actually really bad. Well, shout out to HBO for being so discerning and for picking the stuff that hits, mm -hmm. like The Undoing. And if do more miniseries. And do more miniseries. And if you haven't watched The Undoing, now you know what happens, but you should still watch it anyway. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. We told you, Lynn, we warned you, sorry. Yeah, our bad, but we did warn you. All right, Steve, it's time for a review. If you haven't already, please head to Apple Podcasts, search for Small Talk. It's a black box, white writing. Subscribe to it, rate it, preferably five stars, and leave a review. And um, how about this one, Steve? Holiday draft consideration, five stars. I'm a Midwestern person, too small man, but I have to lean towards Saruti on this draft. Mm -hmm. Just my, oh, mm -hmm, okay. <laughs> Just my opinion, but I want holidays that give me a three-day weekend, Labor Day, Memorial Day, etc. Thanksgiving is number one because you get four days off, salient point here. The holidays you pick rotate and can fall in the middle of the week, resulting in only a random Wednesday off, which is not cool. I agree. That is true. Sometimes 4th of July, you just get one random day. But here's the thing with the 4th of July. If 4th of July is on a Wednesday, you celebrate it on a Friday or a Saturday. You can celebrate the 4th of July on July 7th. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter. You just carry it over to the weekend. So it's not that big of a deal. So I would still count that as a, you celebrate it whenever you celebrate it. It doesn't have to necessarily be on the day. But uh, the three-day weekend is actually is something we should have brought up. It's underrated. And Labor Day is one of those weekends. And our friend Jen Howard hit me up on, uh, on the DMs on Twitter and said, you both left Labor Day off. That's how you did that is beyond me. I didn't, Labor Day wasn't even on my radar. Was it even on your list? No. What's so good about Labor Day? Am I, what am I missing? Um, the beginning of fall, right? You get a three day weekend. Yeah, but other than that, Labor Day, I don't know. Yeah, you get an extra day off. I don't know. I didn't know that. I didn't know if there was labor. anything that I was missing. <laughs> like, I didn't know if there, are there Labor Day parties? I don't, I've never been invited to a Labor Day party. I don't know. Mm, sucks to be you. Yeah, I guess maybe I'm just not cool enough to understand what Labor Day is about. Yeah, maybe everyone else has just been raging on Labor Day and you haven't been invited. I don't labor enough to celebrate on Labor Day. Sorry. Um, but yeah, I didn't know. I was like, yeah, I don't, under, I don't understand why Labor Day is a big deal. But uh, the three-day weekend is, we should have brought that up. That's a good call. 
that is a good call. And yeah, people like to drink. So why not have a three-day weekend? Because then you have a built-in day to drink more and be hungover. Halloween, you don't get Halloween off, right? That's not a holiday, right? No, no, no. You don't okay. get Halloween off. I didn't, so I don't even know because now that I'm out of school, I feel like I don't know. And we work in sports, so we don't really have holidays. I never yeah. know what's an actual holiday and what's not a holiday as far as no. like government day off. But that's actually kind of a cool thing about working in sports is you work the days that everybody else has to work, but that means you get a bonus day that you can take at your leisure. I love a good middle of the weekday off is actually super underrated. I'd work a Saturday to have a, a Tuesday off. It's kind right. of fun. You get, you get right. a lot of shit done on those days. Nobody else is out. Everyone else is working. You can get your oil change. You can do some shopping underrated to have a day off in the middle of the week and when everyone else has to work or gets the day off for like president's day and then you get a bonus day to use some other time yeah. guess what three-day weekend there you go you could take july 4th off in the middle of the although that's a holiday never mind I'm, i don't know what i'm saying don't worry about it ignore that Steve, steve's losing it just like he i don't know what holidays are don't worry <laughs> okay well this has been fun thank you to everyone for listening thank you saruti steve and i will be back in action next week but until then get rid of the murder weapon Aliens exist. Shout out Blink-182. Thanks for listening to Small Talk. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or the Podcast One app.